Well, hey, everybody, welcome today. Uh, just to start off, I just want to say how thankful I am uh, for my parents, our pastors. I'm sure you're thankful as well, uh, their leadership and guidance, as well as the incredible teams that make this happen, our incredible worship teams that lead us in worship, that put our souls at rest, the tech teams that make this happen. And uh, I'm thankful for you. And uh, before we even get started today, I want to give you a gift maybe that you haven't received in a little while, just a little bit of time to kind of catch your breath. Take a deep breath, maybe just to close your eyes. Uh, we prayed already this morning, but even before we kind of enter into God's Word and read and learn some things, I believe some things that can really help you in this season of life that all of us are in. Would you do me a favor? Right where you're at, would you just close your eyes with me, and uh, would you just take a deep breath in and a deep breath out? Just right where you're at. I get it may be tough if you have your family around or, or whatever, but God, in this moment, uh, before we kind of get into Scripture, which we believe is alive, not just a book, that it is living, that it has uh, help for us today. God, I ask as we take a deep breath, we acknowledge that our trust is in you. We look to the hills where our help comes from. Our help comes from you, the maker of heavens, of the heavens and the earth. So God, today, uh, we, just, we just put our, our hearts in a place of perspective to look a little bit higher. God, would you speak to us? Would you use the words even that I communicate? Go beyond them to help us today. In Jesus' name. Where we at? Would you say amen? Amen. If you have your uh, Bibles, you're going to follow along in your uh, Bible app. I want to read a passage of Scripture out of the book of uh, Acts today, in Acts chapter 27. It's going to take a little bit of time uh, to get through it, but in the past couple months, I've been circling back around to the person of Paul in the Scripture. Uh, Paul, who used to be known as Saul, who was a persecutor of Christians. As you follow his story, it's pretty interesting, all of the different things that he goes through. He encounters a lot of crisis, a lot of trouble, and uh, the passage that we're going to read today is no different. But I want you to listen this morning as I read this, and maybe try your best to put yourself in the story, and then we'll have some uh, conversation today. In Acts chapter 27, I'm going to read out the Passion Translation. It says this in verse 27. It says, on the 14th night of being tossed about the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed we were approaching land. So they took surroundings and discovered that the water was about 120 feet deep. After sailing a short distance, they again took surroundings and found it was only 90 feet deep. Fearing we would be dashed against a rocky coast, they dropped four anchors from the stern and waited for morning to come. Some sailors actually pretended to go down and drop anchors from the bow when, in fact, they they were wanting to lower the lifeboat into the sea to escape, abandoning ship. Paul said to the Roman officer and his soldiers who were doing this, unless you all stay together on board this ship, you have no chance of surviving. At the moment they heard this, the soldiers cut the ropes of the dinghy and let it fall away. Just before daybreak, Paul urged everyone to eat. He said this, today makes, makes two full weeks that you've been in fearful peril and hunger, unable to eat a thing. He says this, now eat and be nourished, for you all come through this ordeal without a scratch. Then Paul took bread and gave thanks to God in front of them, broke it, and began to eat. There were 276 people who ate until they were filled, and they were strengthened and encouraged. After they were all satisfied, they threw the grain into the sea to lighten the ship. When daylight came, the sailors didn't recognize the land, but they noticed a cove with a sandy beach, so they decided to run the ship ashore. They cut away the anchors, leaving them in the sea, untied the ropes, holding the rudders, and hoisted the foresail to the breeze to head for the beach. But they drifted into the rocky shoals between two depths of sea, causing the ship to flounder still a distance from shore. The boat was struck fast, jammed on the rocks, while the stern was being smashed by the pounding surf. The soldiers wanted to kill all the prisoners to prevent them from escaping, but the Roman officer was determined to bring Paul safely through, so he foiled their attempts. He commanded the prisoners and the crew who could swim to jump overboard and to swim ashore. 
The rest all managed to survive by clinging to planks and broken pieces of the ship so that everyone scrambled to the shore uninjured. Chapter 28 says this, after we had safely reached land, we discovered that the island we were on was Malta. The people who lived there showed us extraordinary kindness, for they welcomed us around the fire they had built because it was cold and rainy. When Paul had gathered an armful of brushwood, and as he was setting it on the fire, a venomous snake was driven out by the heat and latched onto Paul's hand with its fangs. When the islanders saw the snake dangling from Paul's hand, they said to one another, no doubt about it, this guy is a murderer. Even though he escaped death at sea, justice has now caught up to him. Verse 5 says this, but Paul shook the snake off and flung it into the fire and suffered no harm at all. Everyone watched him, expecting him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. After observing him for a long time and seeing that nothing unusual happened, they changed their minds and said this, he must be a god. You know, in lieu of us being uh, gathered today uh, in living rooms, I feel like I should be like a little bit more vulnerable with you. Maybe I feel like I can share things with you. It's like our little secret. So today, I'm going to tell you something about me that you may not know about me. Are you ready? Okay. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You ready? Guess. No, not that. Okay. Here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. I am a hunter. I was raised in a hunting family. Our family grew up hunting. We harvest our own meat. Now, granted, I understand that I'm not just speaking in your living room, that I'm speaking in living rooms all across the United States of America. So uh, unfortunately, there are probably some of you that are disappointed to hear that news. And to you, I say that I'm sorry, but there's probably things about your life. Like if we were able to sit and have a conversation that I wouldn't like, so uh, I'll forgive you, you forgive me. I won't judge you, you don't judge me. A couple years ago, I was on this hunt and I was uh, deep down in a river where I had hunted uh, ever since I was a kid. Again, I've grown up doing this, and it was late at night. I was hiking my way out. I was by myself. Um, but this hunt didn't end as hunts normally end. On my way out, I ended up walking into this sting operation being done by the Department of Fish and Game, um, different game wardens and things. They all just kind of came out of nowhere, and they start shouting. I, I start, like, respond, like, what's going on? The, apparently, they think that I'm in charge of leading this animal poaching ring. Okay, now this is not true at all, but I happen to fit the description. I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, I'm getting a little bit upset and irritated. You may not know my personality, but to be accused of something that I know that I'm not guilty of, my blood is boiling a little bit, uh, but I'm trying to kind of hold it back. They're asking me a million questions. They're threatening me with evidence that they don't have. And finally, I realize that there's no easy way out of this. So I'm thinking like after uh, lots of conversation, I'm like, are you guys kidding me? Like, are you seriously doing this to me right now? I decide I need to kind of hold my tongue and keep my cool. And so I try my best to do that. And they tell me that I'm going to have to take it up with the judge. So they write me some sort of paperwork citation. And they tell me that, um, that the DA's office would be in touch with me. So I think, okay, hopefully this isn't going to be a big deal. But it turned into like a really big deal. The next day I get phone calls that they're like calling people that I know, asking questions. Do you know Nick Hand? What do you know about him? What kind of person is he? Have you ever hunted with him? All this kind of stuff. So it gets a little bit more serious. Several days later, I'm out with uh, some family and they actually show up. We're looking for Nick Hand and, and I hear it. So I walk out, I'm, I'm here and they say, uh, we're going to need to confiscate your, confiscate your firearm. So I'm a little bit bothered, a little bit irritated, but I learned my lesson, like keep my cool, like I'm just gonna go along with it. Okay, may I ask why? They say, well, we wanna do ballistic testing because we found uh, several animals that are deceased that have bullet remains, in it, which is a really, really sad, tragic story. 
uh, and we want to run uh, ballistic testing on your gun to see if the bullets match your gun. So I think this is the first bit of logical information that I've gotten yet. I think this is going to work. They'll run the gun. They'll see that it's not me. I'll be free and clear. So we go over. They're taking my weapon. They're filling out paperwork. And I think that, you know what, I'm going to be the bigger person here and just clear the air. If there's anything that, that has gotten me in trouble in my life, it's my mouth. Like, it's, it's a great gift from God to be able to maybe speak and articulate um, but in certain situations, it actually works against me. So I say, guys, I just want you to know. I just want you to know, they're all like surrounding me. I just want you to know that I really respect the sport of hunting, that, that I take it very seriously. About that time, one of the warden goes, ha, respect? He's like, it's people like you that give hunting a bad name. Oh, okay, now my blood really started boiling, you know? And I, and I, I respond, I said, actually, I've, I, I, I'm upset. I said, I've, I've been hunting since I was 12 years old. Like, my grandparent, my grandfather, he brought his kids out here. My dad has brought us out here. I Trust me, I respect the sport. I've been doing it for a long time. He goes, oh, yeah? Well, I bet I've shot a whole lot more deer than you have. And I said, okay, like, what does that have to do with anything. He said, oh, you don't think that I've shot a whole lot more deer than you have? No. I said, well, and then we kept going. And it got bigger and bigger. I said, no, I'm sure you have. By the looks of it, sir, you're a whole lot older than me. He said, how old do you think I am? I said, I don't know. Maybe 48, 49. He said, I'm 35. It didn't help my case at all. He kept like going and he told me that I disrespect the sport. I told him I'd be surprised if his kids even respect him. I'm telling you, like it was just, it was like a water faucet. Words just kept coming out and it didn't help my case at all. Uh, let me tell you, I had to learn the hard way. For the next year, I had to appear in court before eventually clearing my name, and things are all good. But I think back often, and I think if I would have been able to handle that situation differently, if I would have been able to keep my cool, would things maybe have turned out differently? Maybe. But there are some powerful, potent lessons that I learned. And I think this is the, the probably the, the most important one, that, that trouble, trouble is intoxicating. Uh, you can handle a little bit, but trouble is one of those things. The more that you drink it, the more that you have this tendency to lose your mind. You have this tendency to behave in ways that, man, you never would have behaved before. You have this tendency to think of things, be afraid of things that you never would have been afraid of before. You have these emotional burdens and these emotional weights that you never would have had before. You end up saying things when you become intoxicated on trouble that you wouldn't normally say. The thing about intoxication is it affects us all quite differently. I remember being in a musical one time, and we would get together to run our lines, and the way that it would work at the end of the night, we'd host these at somebody's house, and people would eventually, when we were done, would start drinking, and you would know it was time to leave when people's intoxicated selves came out. You'd have the guy that was like the I love you man, like he'd get drinking a little bit, and he'd say, you know what, I just love you so much, bro. Bro, have I told you how much I love you? You'd have the crier. When they had a little dip too much, all of a sudden, they're sitting there, and then it's just... <laughs> Like, what's going on? You're like, my life is so sad. They just, like, cry every time. You have the person that gets too handsy. You have the person who gets emotional, all because they're intoxicated. Listen, you've been going through a lot of trouble. I've been going through a lot of trouble. Have you found yourself maybe in some way, shape, or form intoxicated? Can you relate to emotions that seem to come out of nowhere? The feelings of depression, the feelings of discouragement, the feelings of being overwhelmed and anxious and not knowing how your life is going to get, get, go, go up or, or, or end up, you end up in these conversations with people that you think later, man, what was that all about? Where did that come from? Trouble. Because trouble's intoxicating. 
When we read this story, Paul has been going through trouble. Paul and his counterparts on the ship have been dealing with a lot of trouble. They've spent 14 days in a ship, on a boat, battling a storm that won't let up. They're stuck on a boat. They're stuck in, in quarantine. They're restricted. They're not allowed to go about business as usual. Can anybody relate to being in quarantine? Trouble. I mean, I could imagine day one, day two of the storm, somehow, some way, we're going to find a way to get through this. We're going to be strong. God's going to take care of us. But you get to day seven, you get to day eight, you get to day 12, you get to day 13, you get to day 14, and trouble becomes very intoxicating. When you read the story, people are beginning to lose their minds. They're running about the ship. The, the Bible says that they, they hear the sound of, of shore. No doubt they had probably hoped that they had heard the sound of shore before, and every time they hear the sound of what they think is the shore, they drop down their anchors in hopes that maybe their boat won't be crushed up against the rocks that are at the edge of the sea. Paul ends up walking out and seeing these guys who are sailors, mind you. They're sailors, and, and, and here these sailors are in this place of experiencing all of this trouble. They're trying to escape from this big ship in the midst of this storm, and Paul comes, comes out to them, and he says, guys, guys, what are you, what are you doing? He says, unless you stick with the ship together, none of you are going to be saved. You know, my primary question is, what, is, what business does Paul have giving advice to sailors? He has no nautical experience. He is, he's not a sailor by trade. Why does Paul think he has advice to give these people? Because Paul has encountered a lot of trouble in his life. And if there's one thing that Paul has learned, it's, how to find sobriety in the place of adversity. Paul has learned some lessons from life's quarantines. And I think lesson number one that Paul has learned is this. How do I find sobriety in the midst of adversity? I have to remember that I was in quarantine long before I was quarantined. You may not know this about Paul, but Paul is not just a passenger on the ship. Paul is a prisoner on the ship. Why he's on the ship to begin with is because he was taken prisoner and he's being transported from one place to the next. If there's anything that Paul understands in places of adversity, if there's anything that quarantine has taught Paul is that I was quarantined long before I was quarantined. Sometimes in life, the things that you face externally are actually just pictures of things that you've already been facing internally. I was quarantined before I was quarantined. And, you know, in our world, in our society, don't we feel this sense of panic, this, this ability uh, to find ourselves somehow intoxicated by trouble, specifically in quarantine? But can I remind you that you were quarantined long before you were quarantined? You've always been restricted by your money. You've never had enough to do anything that you wanted to do. And yet, even though you didn't have enough, God has been faithful. Can I remind you that you have been quarantined in your relationships? They've never Never really flourish like you've wanted them to flourish. And some of them at your own demise because you were a participant in that relationship and things went south. Yet somehow, some way, God brought you through. There have been times in your physical body and as you dealt with your own issues as it pertains to anxiety that you have been boxed in quarantine, but God has been faithful to keep you up until now. You were quarantined long before you were quarantined. And I want to remind you today that if God has been faithful to you in your past, Rest assured, he will be faithful to you in your present. And rest assured, he will be faithful to you in your future. How does Paul find sobriety in the place of adversity? He remembers. 
I've been quarantined long before I was quarantined. What am I talking about? Lessons learned in quarantine. I think the second reason that Paul can address these men, another lesson that he's learned is this. There have been times that I thought I was quarantined that I actually wasn't. There have been times that I thought that I was restricted, thought that I was breaking, thought that the walls were caving in, thought that it was the end, but it wasn't the end. Isn't it interesting when he finds these guys, these sailors, are trying to escape a big boat to get into the middle of a storm in a small boat? Does that make a whole lot of sense to you? You start to think that the thing that you are quarantined in is the problem, but the boat is not the problem. Isn't it funny, the same job that you used to be critical of and to hate, now that there are only certain people that get to go to work, you thank God for that job. Isn't it interesting that the thing that we used to demonize, technology, cell phones, internet, to be the one thing, oh, it's just disconnecting our relationships, it's causing us to fall apart, yet now it is the one thing that brings us together. Literally, the thing that we used to mock has become our miracle for connection. There's been times in your life, can I just speak to your soul today? There have been times in your life that you thought that the world, that life was breaking you, but can I tell you it wasn't breaking you? No, God was setting you actually up for breakthrough. He saw things that you could have never seen coming. And maybe in the moment you didn't understand it. Maybe in the moment you didn't feel it. Maybe because dose of trouble after dose of trouble after dose of trouble after dose of trouble, you found yourself intoxicated. But if there's one thing that you can learn from quarantine, that there have been times that I thought that I was stuck, that I wasn't. So what do I do? I have to throw up my hand in the air and trust the one who put me here. There were times that I thought I was quarantined that I actually wasn't. Paul says, unless you got, if you guys want to make it out alive, you guys better get back on the ship. I think this is less uh, fortune telling and more what he's telling these people is you guys are not in the right headspace to be making decisions. You're not in the right place. You don't have mental sobriety. You're not in a position where you should be making decisions. He says, everybody come inside. So he gets everybody to come inside. And he sits them all down. And this is what he says to them. He says, for 14 days, you've been afraid about your future. For 14 days, you've been struggling and you've been frustrated, wondering, am I going to make it? Fearing for my life and fearing for my livelihood. All you're looking at is what's on the outside, but there's a problem because you've lost your strength and you're finding yourself discouraged. This is what the enemy wants. He wants you to lose your strength and find yourself discouraged. Why discouraged? Because when I'm discouraged, I have no hope for tomorrow. I start dreading what is to come. There's no way that we're going to make it through this. He says, you've been looking at the outside too long. Guys, I want you to get in here. And, and this is what he tells them. He says, you need to eat. You need to stop looking on the outside, and you need to go within. You need to look on the inside. You need to nourish yourself. Are you watching today, and do you find yourself tired? Do you find yourself lacking strength? Do you find yourself in a position, Nick, if I'm honest, I'm getting a little bit hopeless. How, how much longer can this last? How much more? God, can something please give? I say to you today, eat, be nourished. Don't be desensitized by everything that you see around you. Go within you. What are the things that bring you nourishment? 
For some of you, it's just a matter of perspective, looking around, hug your kids, hug your wife. Like, trust me, it will not last forever. There will be days that you wished you had time. Like this matter of perspective, what gives you nourishment? Sometimes it's the simplicity of FaceTiming a friend or a family member that you haven't talked to in a long time, eating good food, doing things like this, reminding yourself of your value system, what matters most. It's not the money. It's not the accolades. It's not the thing. It's not being important. It's not having all of these kinds of things that make people say you are something because everybody thinks that you know it's deeper than that. Go within you. And it's interesting because Paul gets way more specific than that. He gets before him and he takes a piece of bread and he holds it up and, and he, he, he breaks it. And for those of us who believe in Jesus as our Savior, we know what this means because in Scripture, Jesus is referred to time and time again as the bread of life. He, he takes the bread and before him, he says, guys, you're lacking strength and you have no courage. So here's what you got to do. You got to go inside and here's what we're doing. We're going to break this bread and we're going to eat it together. We're going to be nourished. What is he saying? When I take in the bread, when I eat the bread, what is communion? What am I doing? I'm remembering. Here's what I'm remembering. That I am not the one driving this ship. I did not put myself on the face of the planet. God, in all of his grace and his mercy and his sovereign power, somehow, some way, thought that I should be here today. So why am I full of fret? Why am I full of worry? Why am I full of anxiety? Why am I allowing trouble to cause me to lose my sobriety? I must be nourished by remembering the fact that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. I'm not driving this ship, and I never really have been. The Bible says as they eat together, two things happen. They become strengthened, and they become encouraged. What am I talking about? They get the sobriety back. They start, they start seeing clearly. Okay, maybe we can make it. Maybe our best days really are still ahead. I would love for the story to end, and as soon as they ate together, their ship just glided up on the sand, and they all walked out, and look what the Lord has done, but it didn't happen that way. In fact, they had to go through a whole another night of the storm, but they were strengthened, <laughs> and they were encouraged. They had clarity in the midst of trouble. They didn't lose. They got their sobriety back, and when they woke up the next morning, all of a sudden, they could see short. They had the ability to see clearly. And they said, there's the shore, let's head for the shore. And I would love to tell you that they just headed for the shore and they made it and everything was good, but it wasn't. They hit a sandbar and, and, and their boat falls apart to pieces, but they were strengthened and they were encouraged. What am I talking, they had the ability to keep going. They had hope for tomorrow. And you know what they did? Those of you who could swim, you swim for shore. Let's keep going together. Let's keep trusting God together. Let's have the right perspective together. And those who couldn't swim, they didn't stop either because they had been strengthened, because they had been encouraged. They took pieces of what was broken and they floated themselves on into shore. Could you imagine what the celebration would be like? And I imagine Paul would probably be the most excited because Paul was the minister. Paul was the encourager. Paul was probably like many of you to your family members telling you, God's going to keep you. Not a hair on your head is going to be touched only to get alone with God. Right, God? God, right? God, you're not going to leave us like this, are you? God's going to be faithful. God's going to keep you. Your best days are ahead, right, right, God? Some of you know what that feeling's like. Imagine that Paul was the most excited, just full of joy. And he says that everybody on the island was 
welcoming of them. They're making a fire because it's rainy and stormy. So Paul's so excited, he starts gathering up brush. <laughs> Look what God has done. And on his way to the fire, imagine this, a poisonous snake. He just came through a shipwreck, survived a shipwreck. And a poisonous snake comes out of the wood and bites him. And everybody sees. Now, if, it, if I'm Paul at this time, God, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Like here again, like first you stop me with a bright light. You make scales on my eyes so I can't see. Then I become imprisoned. I find myself in shackles. Then I am shipwrecked. And now it's going to be a snake bite that takes me out. God, are you kidding me? But this is not Paul's response at all. What does Paul do? He shakes off the snake, keeps on going. Paul, how can you shake off the snake? Because Paul has learned the key to finding sobriety in places of adversity. He's probably learned the greatest of all lessons learned in quarantine. And here's what it is. It's not what's happening on the outside that has the power to determine my future. It's how I respond to what's happening on the outside on the inside. You see, there's something that Paul has learned through going through trouble and finding sobriety. It's not what happens on the outside. It's what happens on the inside. It's when I remind myself that I am not my source. I did not put me here. The one who put me here will keep me. What am I talking about? Lessons learned in quarantine. The ability to find sobriety in the midst of adversity. Let me remind you once again, folks, you were in quarantine long before you were in quarantine. And if he was faithful then, even when you deserved it, even when it was self-quarantine and you should have been doomed, if you're still here today and he somehow, some way brought you out, you don't need to worry about your future. He's got you. Can I remind you that there have been times in your life that you would have swore to God that I was being held back by demonic forces when in reality it was God's unseen hand leading me and guiding me into something, a way of thinking, a different perspective that I never would have had for a season that was coming because I could not forecast it. Can I remind you in your life, it is not what happens on the outside. It is not circumstance that determines how great or how good your life will be in the future. No, it's how you respond to what's happening on the outside, on the inside. I would love to say, man, let's just pray the trouble away. But you can't do it. In the world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. He said, but take heart. Learn, learn the lesson. Learn, what, what am I saying? There are lessons that you can learn in quarantine that can get you out of quarantine once you're out of quarantine. You know what I'm talking about? There are things that I can learn when I'm restricted that will help me get unrestricted once I'm unrestricted from the thing that I'm facing today. To find freedom in the other areas of my life that I've really, truly always wanted to find freedom. What do I do? I go inside. And I remember that the one who has kept me will continue to keep me. I don't see it all. I don't understand it all. But he has been faithful. There's times that I thought I was restricted. Some of you business owners, family members, parents, can I just, can I just speak into your spirit today? Can I sp There's been seasons of your life that you thought you were breaking. I dare you to reevaluate those seasons. Because sometimes God was just shaping your perspective because he knew that today was coming. 
And he knew that you needed to be able to be mentally prepared to be able to walk through a season that you did not see coming. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory. How does he give me the victory? Long before I get the victory. There's somebody that's been watching out for me before I was even watching out for myself. This is why the Bible says that he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He sees the whole landscape. He sees pre-coronavirus. He sees during the coronavirus. He sees post-coronavirus. And the one who has kept you will continue to keep you. What do I do if I'm feeling weak? What do I do if I'm feeling discouraged? Nick, I'm just losing. Go inside. Be nourished. Remember, you're not the one who put you here. You didn't sign up to be here. God is faithful. How are you at? Would you pray with me? Can I pray for you? Would you close your eyes? God, right now, in this space, wherever this space is, through the through the internet, through the web, into people's homes, on their cell phones. Right now, I just speak strength, wind into people's cells, spiritually. God, I, I speak to people's souls who have been discouraged and they've been wanting to quit, specifically those that maybe have even been doom and gloom, suicidal, acting like they're productive, like the guys who are letting down the anchors, but really they're trying to escape. Everybody thinks that they're going through the motions, but when they're by themselves at home at night, they're desperate. They're longing for hope. They're longing for help. They're crushed and broken and breaking on the inside. Right now, by the Spirit of God, I just speak a strengthening to you. I just lift my voice and I just declare that you have not seen your best days yet. I want to remind you that you've been in quarantine and God's been faithful before and he'll be faithful again. Sometimes you can't see everything that's happening, but he will keep you. There are things that are happening today that he's even now preparing you for tomorrow. Can I remind you, it's not what happens on the outside. Come hell or high water. It's not what happens on the outside. Can you hear me today? It's not, I, don't, I don't care if there's plague. I don't care if there's famine. I don't care if there's war. I don't care if there's rumors of war. It does not matter what happens on the inside. What matters is how I respond to what's happening on the outside. On the inside, God, would you continue to be our anchor, our place of safety, our place of strength? Would we remember that your blessings are with us? You are faithful, even when we can't contextualize it or understand it. So we just stop trying to. And in the moments when we find ourselves intoxicated by trouble, would you help us through these lessons to find our sobriety so that we can see clearly? so that we would understand and own that we were built with a storm in mind. We were built to find hell and to fix it. That's always been the narrative, folks. That's always been the narrative. That's why he put you here, to find brokenness and to heal it. We are the body of Christ. We are ambassadors on behalf of God, and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. You're still to be a person who finds hell and fixes it. The power of God is within you. God, would you help us to find our sobriety today? I just speak to your heart to be encouraged. Your heart to be encouraged right where you're at. God, we look to you today. We remind ourselves of the bread of life. Who is our source? Not me. It's funny how life can kind of make you feel like you're your source when you're doing okay financially. Right? Even when you're living paycheck to paycheck, at least, I, at least I'm making it. You almost start to believe that you're your source. No, God, I've never been my source. You, you put me here. And just like the birds of the heavens, just like the fish in the sea, they look to you to make sure that they are nourished. God, today is your creation. We look to you to make sure that we are nourished. Maybe you're watching today and you've never made a decision to place your faith in Christ. This is how true nourishment starts. When you choose to believe that you're more than just a person occupying a space in a system, 
but there is a sovereign God who placed you here, that he has a purpose for your life. The Bible says when we're done with life here on earth, we spend forever somewhere, heaven or hell. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Jesus, will be saved. I get to look to someone who is bigger than me to lead me and guide me by his unseen hand. If you have not made that decision, man, life is going to be very turbulent for you because you have no hope. You have no strength. You will find yourself suicidal. You will find yourself wanting to jump ship because you're as big as it gets. I'm telling you, there's more to it. If you'd like to place your faith in Jesus, I want to lead you to a prayer, in a prayer, right where you're at, wherever you're watching this, whenever you're watching this. In fact, can we all, just as, even for those of us that are Christians, followers of Christ, can we pray this prayer just afresh? What are we doing? We're nourishing our soul. We're finding sobriety in the midst of trouble that would cause us to want to lose it. Would you say this prayer out loud? Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart and I say out of my mouth, you are the son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Say this, today I call you my savior and I make you my Lord. And I mean this with all of your heart. Say, Jesus, help me to live the life you made me to live. Strengthen me. Say that again. Say, strengthen me. Let me be full of hope. I look to you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Right where you're at, just right in this moment, the band's going to lead us in another song. And we'll come back and formally dismiss. But can you just take a second to allow God to do what God can only do in your heart? Huh? Right where you're at, can you just close? I know it may be awkward. It may kind of feel strange. I get you may have kids running, and it's okay. It doesn't need to be perfect or pretty. God's not interested in that anyway. But can you take a second and just maybe just breathe, even as you're going about your business or doing what you need to do at the house? As the band leads us, I, I'm, I'm telling you, God has an ability. When you sit and allow him to nourish what's happening on the inside, all of a sudden you gain clarity on how it is that you should deal with what's happening on the outside. That's what you need right now. You need clarity. Business owner, you know what you need? You need clarity. Business owner who you're concerned because if, my, if, if, if this lasts any longer, I'm going to lose everything that I ever worked for. What you need right now is not more intellectual understanding of what's going on. What you need is internal strength and encouragement and clarity. Why? So that you can keep moving one foot in front of the other. I'm here to tell you, you're going to get to shore. You're going to get to the shore. Some of you are going to swim to shore. Others of you, we're going to take the broken pieces and God's still going to get us to shore because our God, he's faithful. He's faithful. Lessons learned. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.